We're going to transition now to our time of worship through God's Word. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can go ahead and pull that out. We are continuing our sermon series through the book of John. And we are, uh, we're, we're in John 15. I'm going to read from verses 9 through 17. Some of you might say, we're still in John 15. I thought we were John 15 like several months ago. You know, when, when, when something's good, we were at the ice cream shop, the Mexican ice cream shop, El Riconcito, the new one. And when something's really good, like you savor it, right? You just like to take a little bit of time and just lick that ice cream, just let that flavor sit in your mouth. It's tasty. So John 15, super good. Uh, and so we're just taking time to savor it because it's that good. As you're turning there in your Bibles or Bible apps, also we have a Bibles in front of you and the chairs there in front of you. Um, let me just kind of set some of this up here. If you're a teacher or leader or aunt, uncle, or especially a parent, have you found yourselves guilty of this? Do what I say, not what I do. (laughs) No. Oh, I've got some, I've got some people in denial up here. We're going to special prayers for the front row. (laughs) Do what I say. Not what I do. Oh, man. We all have to kind of come to grips with that to some degree at some point. You know, in our house, there's a variety of different inconsistencies that happen, get played itself out. Of course, food is, you know, food's a big thing in my life. Uh, I live my life through my food and enjoy food. And, and of course, some of those things come out of like, we're getting ready for supper and the boys come in. And they're like, oh, I haven't had snack. Oh, I need to have snack. Or I want snack. Or I'm hungry. I want to have snack. And, and of course, Jane's like, she's slaving over the meal. And, and, and she's like, no, you, 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 you need to wait till supper. You need to be hungry for supper. You, you don't want to spoil your dinner. Did any of you hear that growing up? You don't want to spoil your dinner. I'm off to the side. <laughs> I'm snacking away. And I'm eating all the time, all the things. I tend to break those rules. Now, my excuse, of course, is that I have a bigger tummy and appetite than my boys do. And I clean my plate. I'm a member of the Clean Plate Club. Yeah, I've got some members out there. Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. But in a more expanded kind of serious note on this... One of the challenges of leading well, whether it's in parenting, whether it's being a pastor, whether it's being a leader of an organization, a corporation, or a country, respect for following instructions, respect for following that leader is integrity. That they don't just tell us to do what they say, but they not only themselves, they do what they say. They say what they do. It's hard to come by that kind of respect. I struggle as a leader, even as a pastor. I, I fail. I fall short of even the things that I preach. One of the things that makes Jesus so compelling is he says, do what I say because of what I do. What makes Jesus so compelling is that he says, do what I say because of what I do. 
We're going to see that in the command that he lays out for us here today. If you haven't turned there, go ahead and again do that. John 15, 9 through 17. Here we go. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love or remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. You love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. that Your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the father's name, whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray, friends, as we come to the word here. Holy Spirit, we we need you to open our hearts. Jesus, there's a profound teaching you have here of of taking us to places that are radical for for us as human beings. This message may not be new in terms of love one another. We've heard this, but, but why or how we're to get there? And what that looks like. Lord, we're just so used to trying to get our hands on things and control things and make it our own. But Jesus, we just help us to let you be king today. Help us, help us let you be king right, right now. And lead us. Lead us in love and lead us in liberty and freedom. In your name, amen. As we come to this passage, Jesus is in the middle of an illustration of how are we, who, those of us who've trusted in Jesus Christ, those of us who said, Jesus, you are the king, and, and you are my king. I need you to be my king. I need you to save me. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, he's explained, you are going to expand the kingdom. You are going to be the cause that this world is going to change. You are going to continue the kingdom because I'm leaving. I'm going away. Now, this is how it's going to happen. Like a Like a branch on a tree or a branch on a vine, it receives life and power and vitality and the ability to bear fruit. You need to stay tapped into me. Last week we talked about that abiding in the love of Jesus. And that we cannot love God the Father. We can't respond to God the Father. And we can't love others without his love starting The process. It starts with his love. He's the cause. We're the effect. His love is uncaused, unprompted, uninitiated, unending. And that's good news because it's not dependent on us and anything we do. Because if it is, if we started his love towards us, then we can stop it. So it's good news that his love is unending, unprompted. Grace. 
And it's at this point that we start these things here in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, this unconditional, free, unprompted love, so I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. The expression that Jesus is clarifying here is, is our response of obeying God, of obeying Jesus, comes out of a place of being loved, not trying to get love from God. Not out of a place of insecurity, of like, oh, I disobeyed today. He must be angry. He's rejected me. Oh, my value is different today because of, 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 of my behavior. Tim Keller Tim Keller says this. This is how religion works. If I obey, then God will love and accept me. The gospel, the good news, the truth is, I'm loved and accepted at the expense of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I wish to obey. This this difference is subtle, but it is profound. Every other religion in the world is, if I do, then I get The truth, Jesus Christ, is I've already done it for you. Respond to my love. Receive and respond to my love out of grace. Do you feel the freedom? Can you tell the freedom that comes from that? I am loved, infinitely loved, at the expense of God's Son himself. Therefore, I choose to obey. you feel the difference in that? Jesus is the cause. We are the effect. Last week, we, we ended on, on the story of this sinful woman who's washing Jesus' feet, and, and the people watching couldn't understand, and they were judging her. And Jesus explains, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. When we've let Jesus get into the, the dark recesses and, and every part of our life, when we received the grace of Jesus in us, there's something that happens to us. There's a compelling, I want to give to you, Jesus. I want to sacrifice for you. I want to live. I want to love others. It transforms how we want to relate to others. And that's the natural natural and logical progression that Jesus leads into. This is my commandment then. Your obedience flows out of love. And your obedience is, in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another when we get this this eternal redemptive process when we understand i need to receive from him it it compels me then and transforms me then to love others that 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 is to love god the scriptures are are unique in equating loving god is loving others you you can't say i love god and 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 be a jerk intentionally to others if we love others we love god if we love god we will love others now jesus is qualifying this statement here we've heard this before many of you have you grown up in church and hey, we're not unaccustomed to the phrase we need to love we need to love we need to love others love god love others the Old Testament boiled down to that phrase. This is my commandment. That you love one another. This is the kicker. This is where we're going to lean into today. 
just as I have loved you. Like I have loved you. Jesus isn't telling us, love people however you feel like it. However you think and conceive what love is. Jesus is laying out a moral absolute, an absolute truth. There is a definition of love. There is a way that that we relate that is called love. And it's not just any arbitrary way or definition. And it's not how you and I define it. Love like I have loved you. Love like I have loved you. Without Christ's love, we are unable to love others. We, 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 we don't have the pathway, the, 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 the practices of love. We, we, we don't understand. As it says here, without Christ's love, not only are we unable to love, but we don't know how. We've got a corrupted or distorted version, an idea of what this thing is, love. We, you know, we fill it in with all kinds of things. Love is, is, is a feeling towards each other. Lo- love is, a, is a, a, a transaction. Well, if you treat me a certain way, if you're kind, if you do what I want, then I'll do what you want. And that, that, that's love. Love is a transaction. But no, Jesus, Jesus wants to redeem this for us. We need a new image. We need new wiring. And we need a new instruction manual on what it means to love. I mean, we, we, all of us, we, we, can, we can go back to like, whether it's from our family of origin, as a therapist, and a former therapist, pastor, counselor, I'll, I'll oftentimes go back to this in explaining this. That we are shaped and and, and and the patterns by which we react and respond that are automatic are shaped by our family experiences growing up and our relationships were imprinted upon. And these are things that are not necessarily uh, 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 well thought through. It's just this is what happens. And so uh, when somebody treats us a certain way, we immediately have certain feelings and certain behaviors that co- correspond unless... Jesus has interrupted those spaces. And we'll repeat the patterns of our family or family relationships. And we need Jesus to interrupt that. So we can love like he loves, not to be ruled by our past family dynamics. Or, Or we might have developed patterns and habits ourselves in terms of how we're relating to others. Maybe it's out of my insecurity, my, my, my own need for approval and validation that I continue to repeatedly uh, 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 um, reinforce patterns of saying yes instead of having boundaries and being able to say no. Because I'm afraid I might let somebody down. Or, 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 or maybe it's that I'm un, unwilling to confront somebody because I don't want to harm the relationship. Or maybe I just give free will to my anger. I go from 1 to 10 and, and that's just been my pattern and nobody, uh, nobody's checked me or I haven't checked myself in that. And it's just this pattern I've reinforced and let happen. And Jesus wants to redeem that. 
Love not like you feel, not like you want to, not how you think it is. Love like I have loved you. We can trust Jesus' leadership and example because of what we talked about earlier. As he tells us that greater love is sacrificial, we can trust Jesus because he doesn't just say, do what I say. He says, do what I do. The example Jesus gives here, uh, love one another as I have loved you. He goes on to say, explain this great verse. We've used this in so many different ways. Greater love has no one than this. Someone lays his life down for his friends. Jesus, speaking to his disciples here about this, they, they had no clue. He just got done washing his disciples' feet, as we heard with the kiddos. This was radical. That alone, for Jesus, the rabbi, a person in authority to get down lower than the, the, the disciples, radical. Would never happen in that culture. They couldn't conceive of what Jesus was implying here, that he was going to go to the cross and die a criminal's death, the most shameful form of death. But that wasn't even what killed him. Hell. He endured hell, the wrath of God in our place. The, Jesus saying this to them, the, the, you can imagine they're sitting there going, oh man, this sounds, whoa, man, this is amazing. Like he washed our feet, like my feet don't stink and he did it. That's awesome. Oh, he's going to die. He's going to be shamed. Jesus, love for us, is demonstrated here in these verses of sacrifice. As we consider in, in relationship and how we're responding, maybe it's in, in your homes right now, in your marriage, or in relationship with your kids, or kids in relationship with your parents, with some siblings, or maybe some co-workers, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's extended family. Consider, how am I to relate? How am I to respond? What Jesus is inviting us to consider today and, and, and to personalize is love like I've loved you. Love them like I've loved you. Now, you heard the phrase, my sons have got some of these bracelets now. I used to have one of these bracelets back in the day. WWJD, what does that stand for? What would Jesus do? All right, I'm going to suggest a new bracelet. Um, L-L-J-L-M. Love like Jesus loved me. Do you think it's going to take? I, I, I don't think I'm going to make much money on that one. No, no, get some head now, nods there. Now, WWJD just really kind of goes well. But there's a difference when we think, what would Jesus do as I'm, you know, relating to my spouse or, 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 or friend or family member, and, and they're just getting under my nerves, you know, like how they do, right? And, and, and I just like, I'm short, like, I just want to shut them up. You've never, ha- no, that doesn't happen to y'all. No, no, that didn't, of course not. When I think of what would Jesus do that divorces me, from one, being part of the problem, one, also being equal plane with that person. When we think, what would Jesus do? Oftentimes we end up thinking like, oh, well, I'm in a better, I'm in a more spiritual place. I'm a more tour place. 
looking, we can tend to look down on that person. But when we think, Lord, help me love this person like you love me. Do, do, do you hear how that just, woo, that brings us down and that humbles us. Lord, help me love my husband or my wife. Lord, help me love my sister, my brother. Help me love this person at school. Lord, help me, help me love like you, like you love me. When you begin to pause, it forces you to slow down. How has Jesus treated me? He's not just going to give full vent to his mouth and just put me in my place. He's not going to neglect me and just be focused on my wants, my desires, my ambitions. He's not going to leave that person who's sitting by themselves or who's different and, and, without being welcomed and embraced but going towards us because he came towards us as outsiders and embraced us and brought us in and welcomed us and adopted us as family members. Let's break this down a little bit further just to give you some categories here to think through this in, in terms of your relationships and begin to practically apply this. How has Jesus loved us? How has he? And what does that mean for then our relationships? Sacrifice, right? On the cross, what Jesus is talking about, greater love has no one than one who lays his life down. There's self-sacrifice in Jesus' example. That he meets our needs at his own expense. He gives us what we don't deserve. He meets our needs at his own expense. He's considering it. Even others in this room, we are family. And a part of this is what is the meaning that Jesus intends. Like, love one another is, is that the, the, the church, this new family, should love each other in radical ways, different than the world. How am I considering being welcoming? Hospitality, am I... Am I opening my heart and my home to, toward others? Hospitality is one of those practical things that, that, that the scriptures go back to repeatedly. This characterizes the life of a Christian is they share. My resources aren't just for me and myself, but I'm there to meet the needs of others, to welcome them, to provide a meal. How, how, how about, the, am, I, am I aware of my words? Am I building up? Am I meeting people's needs to be encouraged, to be, to be lifted up? All, too often we've got withdrawals being made from our lives and our relationships. We don't hear that encouragement. We don't hear that affirmation. Who, how Jesus sees us. How about patience and persistence? Being patient with people who are you know, maybe, maybe the things seem thick, skulled and thick headed in, in your relationship, being patient, giving them grace in terms of change or, or, or giving them grace in terms of not reacting and, and lashing out, you idiot. Some of the sacrifice and patience comes from holding our tongue in our relationships, being thoughtful with our words. Withholding judgment 
Because sometimes we like to read minds and read hearts. Oh, I know why they did that. And we assign motives, being patient, withholding those judgments. Talk about unjust substitute. Jesus Jesus himself standing in our place. He didn't just sacrifice himself. He took our penalty. You see, one of the things in love that we oftentimes get confused, love does not deny the existence of, of, of sin and wrong and moral absolutes. There is no such thing as love without moral absolutes and truth. You can't, you can't separate these things. There, there's a tendency even in social discourse today to somehow separate love and truth as if they're, they're, they're two different components. But this, this is the truth, and the truth that Jesus is commanding is love. They're, 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 they're not inseparable. People who are trying to separate love and truth have their own personal agendas and are trying to justify their own behaviors. And they're creating a distortion of love and truth that is not biblical and not from Jesus. Jesus, in his substitution in our place, takes our sin. He withholds what we do deserve and takes it upon himself. Sometimes people, people do deserve... The, 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 the natural response, if you will, the retaliation. We deal with this. Uh, you may have, uh, you know, as kiddos in your home or kiddos in your classroom or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, the whole tit for tat. Well, well, he did it to me first. There's this instinctive like justice. He poked me or she said mean things to me or she broke my Lego castle. So I'm going to crush hers. We do that as adults, too. He was mean to me, so I'm going to be mean back. Withholding what others may deserve. Because Jesus did that with us. You and I deserve hell, but Jesus took that in our place. And he gave us what we don't deserve. He gave us grace. He gives us an embrace, love. In addition, he's an advocate. He defines you and your value based on his love and his sacrifice. Jesus is declaring to the Father, they are righteous. You are righteous. You are in right standing. Because look at me. I'm standing in their place. He's an advocate. But only for those of us who've trusted in Jesus. He defines us. Not our behavior. Not our our, our record. Not other people. Jesus defines us. Based on his love. He's the only one who has the right. Are we helping people hear that and see that? Are we conveying that message as well? Scriptures also make clear that in Hebrews, Jesus releases us from slavery to Satan, to sin, and the oppression there. And there's dark powers and he set us free so we can be alive, so we can love. We are part of that as well. Throughout scripture from beginning to end is participating in, in God's work that love brings about justice. We're part of that as well. And standing up in situations that are uncomfortable, to be able to speak on behalf of those who don't have a voice for themselves, whether that's the unborn, or whether that's who, those who are, are, are 
victims of prejudice. These are a variety of different examples. Jesus, he says, love like I've loved you. Not how you want to define it. Love like I have loved you. There's a prayer that I often practice myself, and some of you may have heard me encourage this for you. And there might be some specific relationships that are coming to your mind even right now in your life. They're maybe rough or difficult or, uh, uh, um, or high-priority relationships. And this is a very simple prayer. Lord, help me. Help me see my spouse, this family member, this person in our church. Help me see them like you see me. Help me see this person like you see me. Maybe there's a particular uh, 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 issue at hand. Lord, help me be patient with so-and-so like you are patient with me. Help me be kind to this person like you are kind to me. Help me be welcoming, Jesus, like you've welcomed me. Help me see them through your eyes. It's very simple, but, but, but friends, I, I'm telling you, when you start to pray that way, man, your, your heart changes. Your, your perspective changes. Now, there is a caveat I want to give here. There, there are certain relationships, and we we're always talking about love. It's, it's important to d- deal and, and speak to this because of abusive relationships or relationships where there's, where there's, 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 there's just pride and, and, and unrepentant kinds of behavior. That, relationships that are harmful. And, and oftentimes the, the, the message of love has been used to, to, to keep people in abusive types of relationship. Or, 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 or for people to be a, a doormat to permit ongoing pers- uh, persistent unrepentant kinds of arrogance and pride. Jesus, the, the, the word of God is very clear about the proud. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Jesus himself in his life and ministry did not entrust himself to, to, the, to, to the proud, to the arrogant, to those abused power, to the legalist, people who are belligerent and defiant in their sin. They've been called out, yet he still loves them. So there's a difference here. You can love them, but there was Jesus kept his distance. You'll notice even in Jesus' interaction with such individuals, Mark captures this as he's confronting such individuals. He looks around at them, angered, grieved in his heart. Those who who may be harmful to us, maybe you need some distance in order to love them. To maintain that relationship. To address the issue uh, and to work through nurturing love so you can pray for, hope for. Their transformation, their change, maybe reconciliation. But there's a place of loving from a distance. But it's still love. It's not cut off. It's not rejection. Because God still loves those who are proud. But there's a distance that these proud people have created in relationship with him. And 
And as we've talked about before, we have all been there in some way. We've all been there. But some of you may need to hear that permission that I may need distance in order to maintain love. As we bring things around here, just thinking practically and applying this, love like I've loved you, that love is sacrificial, gives what it what we don't deserve. It withholds what we do deserve. It, it speaks truth of our value and our worth based on Jesus Christ and his accomplishment. It stands up for those who don't have a voice for themselves. Love like I have loved you. I want you to consider. I want you to take a moment right now and to consider maybe two or three relationships in your life. Two or three people in your life. Maybe they're a person or a type of person in the the church family here. Maybe they're, 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 again, work, family, home, friends. I want you to identify a name. That person in your mind or write it down as a journal. And and, and to name specifically in this this relationship, what's the challenge there in terms of the love? What's the challenge there in terms of of responding to them? What's your instinctive reaction? What's your reaction? What's the pattern you're caught up in? And I want you to consider with each, each of these relationships, how has Jesus treated me? How has Jesus loved me in response to the the issues that work in this relationship? How has Jesus treated me? And what's that action step based on what Jesus has done? What does that look like? That new image. I want you to take time, whether it's right now or or, or throughout the day-to-day. This isn't a, just a message to, to inspire us and tickle our hearts. Jesus meant that we should be changed, friends. This is a command. This is a moral absolute. This isn't optional. It's not a suggestion. If you've received the love of Jesus, then we are to love like Jesus loved you and me. What do we need to repent of? What do we need to repent of? And how do we need to receive his love for us in order that we can give it? You know, many of you came here. How many people drove here besides walking? People drove here. You didn't just go and get in your car and just drive away, right? You can't just hop in your car and start driving, right? Something's got to happen. That, that engine doesn't just start up on its own. There's an electrical system called the ignition. Many of you have a key of some sort, a fob or whatever, and, and, and there's, this, there's this system, this ignition system, that much must spark, bring an electrical charge, and to cause the combustion of the engine to begin. This morning, we start with, with these relationships in mind. We need, to re, we, we need the love of Jesus 
to start our car. In fact, every day when you get into your car, and I want you to think about this, and you have to crank it, start, Jesus, crank, start my heart. Start the engine of love in me, Jesus. It, it, we cannot give what we're not receiving. Jesus says, abide in my love. We cannot love without his love. Jesus doesn't command us to do something he doesn't empower us to do. Do you get that? Jesus doesn't command us to do something he doesn't empower us to do. We need him to start that engine. How does does that need to happen right now? Relationships right in front of you. Maybe this morning you need some prayer because you feel stuck in some brokenness and some patterns. Maybe it's family related, maybe it's stuff you've reinforced. Maybe you just, you're, just, you're discouraged and you need to break free. If you need some prayer for that, come, let's pray. Maybe you're part of a relationship that, that you're just stuck and you don't even know what to do. Let's seek the Lord together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as they do, I want to leave you with these words and the idea that we cannot give what we're not receiving. Richard Wormbrand authored the book called Tortured for Christ. And he's in the, he was in, in prison for, for years and years and being beaten and tortured for following Jesus and being a preacher of God's word. And, and his book is so powerful and worth reading. It's an old book. But then he talks about relationships with these, 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 these oppressors and the, the, the guards and how they treated them. And, and how did they get through that time without being corrupted by the trauma of their treatment? How did they not succumb to the bitterness? And he explains this. That there's only one method of resistance to this brainwashing and it's heart washing. If the heart is cleansed by the love of Jesus Christ and if the heart loves him, one can resist all tortures. What would a loving bride not do for a loving bridegroom? He resisted the brainwashing with heart washing. Let's wash our hearts, friends, with the love of Jesus that we can love like Jesus. Amen? Lord Jesus, we come to you and just ask that you speak and meet us right where we're at. When maybe we feel stuck, we feel broken in, in how to relate to others and, 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 to, and, and the ability to step into your pathway, to your example, Jesus. Lord, maybe we just need to repent. We, we now see clearly the way that we thought was love is not love. That we would follow your path, not our own. Lord, that we receive your power. We need your power to break through and to change. Lord, that we might love like you love us. That we might bring others into that love to share for themselves and to know the author of love himself, Jesus, and not so selfishly just get caught up in our own world, just getting by and surviving. Jesus, transform us. Lord God, that we might live, that we might love like you have loved us. In your name we pray. Amen.